are listening to the official podcast of Grace Satumwa, Facing Opposition. Nicodemus left his midnight conversation with Jesus with guarded interest. Jesus offered him a different kind of religion that he hadn't considered before. But what will happen when he tentatively steps into his new faith? Find out in this message based on John chapter 7, verses 37 through 52. And now with today's message, here's Pastor Chris Childs. Have any of you ever gardened before? We're getting ready to plant a garden on the Grace property um, over at, what is it, 13133 Angle Road. We're going to plant a garden there. There's a team organizing, there's a team doing the planning, and then there's others that say, I don't need to be part of the planning. I, but I want to get my hands dirty. I want to put in the soil. We're planting this garden. If you've ever gardened before, name something that you've ever planted, even if it's just like in a little pot, even if it didn't survive or make it, say what it was that you planted. Uh, even if you just want to say one thing in the comments, because because I'm curious, I want to see what have you planted? I've planted cucumbers before. We're getting ready to plant this garden. The problem is there aren't there isn't any like bare dirt on the property for us to plant the garden in. Like like it's grass, it's seed, it's it's I, the technical term. I understand. I'm not really a gardener. I don't have a green thumb. Look at it. it's not green, but the technical term is sod. I think is what they call it. I'm I'm being told that what we have to do is we have to slice off the sod to just take off what the, the grass not just mow it but go down into the roots and and slice it off and then till it up now everyone on the garden team might be thinking pastor chris there's nothing of what he's talking about with how to garden but this is my understanding is we, we can't actually just say great we're gonna plant some potatoes i don't think we're gonna plant potatoes but i have no idea i don't garden um we can't just plant tomatoes in there we can't just stick um, cucumbers in there. I really like cucumbers. No, we actually, we actually have to scrape off, slice off that sod, and then till up the soil. And there's special equipment to do all of this. We have to prepare that soil before we plant something new. Because the truth is, and this is important for all of us to know, you can't plant something new until you remove that thing that's in the way. The sod's in the way. We can't plant something new until we remove it. And at Easter, that's just coming in two weeks, my intention is that Easter, something new gets planted, that God plants something new. For me personally, there are places in my life that I'm praying right now for God to plant something new. Places that I see I've I've run into a, a dead-end kind of place in my life. Are you in that kind of place in this particular arena? Where, where maybe I've I felt so stuck in this COVID world and I'm ready to just enter into our new world. I want to see something get planted new. And, and for you, you have that thing. Maybe you have that relationship that you want to be healed. Maybe it's the way you see yourself. You want God to plant something new. Maybe it's you, you want experience hope and joy again, or maybe you just want to get reconnected with people again. You want to plant something new. And for our neighbors and our friends, our co-workers, our colleagues, our people that once were our walking buddies, but now we haven't seen them in so long, they want to plant something new. That's why we have these seed packets available in the office that you can mail them an invitation to Easter. 
But if we're going to plant something new, friends, if God's going to plant something new in us, if God's going to plant something new in our friends and neighbors in our community, the sod has to be scraped off. What stands in the way for you? It, it might be different than what stands in the way for me. Each person might have some different kind of sod. But for everyone, there's something that stands in the way. Right? In our scripture that we read today, I really appreciate Ashley reading it for us. Jesus was in Jerusalem. He was in Jerusalem for a festival. It, it, depending on which translation of the Bible you, you're reading, you might hear it's the Festival of Booths, like B-O-O-T-H-S. It might be called the Festival of Tabernacles, which is a really fancy word for tent. Or it might just be called the Feast of Tents, right? And, and if we think about this, this festival, I'm going to call it the Feast of Tents. If we think about this Feast of Tents, for, for the Jewish mind in the first century, this was like the, one of the top three celebrations. Like, like, you know, our top three celebrations, we can all agree it's Christmas, it's Easter, and then, and then we kind of have to pick. Maybe Thanksgiving, maybe the Super Bowl, maybe New Year's, maybe, oh, I don't know, 4th of July. I don't know. We at least have our top two. Um, and, 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 and people will debate about which one's the, the third one. But we, we have these top celebrations for the Jewish people. This was in the top three, this Feast of Tents. And I'd like to ask you a picture from Nicodemus's perspective. Nicodemus shows up in this, in this passage that we read, but we, we heard his story last week. He's a Pharisee, a Pharisee among the Pharisees. The Pharisees were the ones who kept the law, who knew the rules, who knew what you had to do and what you had to not do to make sure you're following God. And they didn't just follow the laws. They had what's called building a fence around the law. They didn't just want to make sure they followed the law. They wanted to make sure they didn't get anywhere close. So they added additional rules and they expected everyone to follow. And they praised the people who followed them and they, they judged harshly the people that didn't. And this guy, Nicodemus, he hears Jesus. This Jesus is preaching, and he's teaching, and he's telling people about a new way of life. And, and last week we heard Nicodemus went to see Jesus at midnight, in the dark of night, where he wouldn't be seen, to test Jesus, to ask questions, to see if Jesus have the right answers, because that's what Pharisees did. And it turned out, when Nicodemus was trying to question Jesus, Jesus turned it back and questioned Nicodemus. And Nicodemus came to see maybe the faith that he had, that I got him this far, wasn't the whole picture. And wasn't enough to get him where he wanted to go. He started to see, started to question the way he had seen some things. And in this experience with Jesus, Jesus says, I haven't come to give you a new set of rules. I've came to give you a new life, a new life, a life made new from above. And Nicodemus, he just left. We have no idea what he thought about all this. We didn't get to see. He just left in the night. He came in the night. He left in the night. And now Jesus is back in town in Jerusalem at the Festival of Tents. 
And Jesus is teaching in the temple. Now, this festival of tents, this is a celebration of the time in the wilderness. Just like Christmas is the celebration of, of Jesus' birth, Easter is a celebration of Jesus' resurrection. The festival of tents is a, is a, a celebration of a serious time, a really important time in the Jewish people's history. So it's the time that they remember they are out in the wilderness. They're in the wilderness on their way to the promised land. They left Egypt. They left everything they knew. And they wandered around the wilderness for four years. And they remember in this celebration how they lived in tents. They did have a permanent home. They moved from place to place and place. They remember how they were led by God with a cloud of fire by night. So they knew where to go. And a cloud in the sky by day. So they knew where to go. And throughout their time in the wilderness, God provided for them. God provided them bread. God provided for them meat. God provided them water. There's a number of accounts where Moses, who is the person chosen by God to lead these people, he, he had a staff and God provided a rock. And, and in different ways in relation to this rock, God provided water, streams of living water in the wilderness for the people to have sustenance. And in this time in the wilderness, there is a big tent, the tabernacle, the tent where God dwelled. It is the place where heaven and earth meet. This, this was before the, the people of Israel had a temple. They didn't have a building. They had to go from place to place. They had the tabernacle, the tent where God dwelled. This was the place where people would encounter the divine. And to celebrate this big feast, the celebration, they had this ritual for seven days. This was a long feast. For seven days, the priests would carry water and they carry it over to the temple and the altar and they pour it out. And this was this big ceremony. And, and there's a tourism trade around it where people, we, we even have copies of them today. Um, they, some of them survived this long, where people would then buy little pots that, that had little inscriptions um, celebrating this, this seven day water jar procession where they took water and they carried it and they poured it out at the temple. And it symbolized the promise that God gave in Ezekiel, that God from this temple would produce a river, just like in the wilderness, just like in the wilderness where the people of God, they didn't have water, they didn't have provision. They said, we're not okay. God help us. We are not okay. And God provided water that in this world where the whole world is not okay that God would provide a flowing, rushing river that flows out even to the Dead Sea and bring the Dead Sea to life. It's a prophecy from Ezekiel. And, and of course, if you look at the geography, there's not going to be a river straight out of Jerusalem, but the meaning of it, the meaning that through this place where heaven and earth meet, because eventually this temple replaces the tabernacle, that place where God dwells with the people. 
that out of this would be a river that teems with life for all people. This is what they came together to celebrate. And this celebration, this year, Nicodemus, this Pharisee among Pharisees, sees Jesus come to the temple to teach, just like Jesus always does, to teach about the spiritual life, to teach, he, he teaches about the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. What does it look like when God reigns on earth? And even though Jesus was never taught in school, Nicodemus hears Jesus teaching as someone who received the best training and the crowds start to believe him and the Pharisees start to grumble because Jesus isn't preaching about obedience, about being good enough, about building a fence around the law. Instead, he's preaching about new life, about a different way of living, about a righteousness that exceeds the rule following of the Pharisees. The Pharisees are grumbling and they have the temple guards ready to arrest him. The moment Jesus gives them a reason, he has to cross a line, but they're ready. And Nicodemus, you can imagine him staying close to Jesus. He went to hear Jesus in the cover of night. Now Jesus has come back to Jerusalem and Nicodemus, you can picture him slipping in among the crowds, listening in to hear what Jesus says. But he can't get too close because he doesn't want anyone to get the wrong idea because Nicodemus is not ready to believe Jesus. He's still got that sod over top of his soil. The soil of his heart isn't ready for the seed to get planted in. He, he's still putting something in the way. And then it comes to the last day of the feast. Remember that he had these seven days of this feast. And at the last day, the greatest day, this most significant day, the key scriptures are read. The key scriptures are read. I told you earlier, the scriptures were from Ezekiel and also from Zechariah. And the key scriptures read telling of the promise. This is just like we read the Christmas story at Christmas and the Easter story at Easter. They read there on this day, every year, they read the scripture from Zechariah 14, 8, about a day in the future. On that day, running water will flow from Jerusalem, the place of the temple, half of it into the Dead Sea, where it'll cause life to team up, and half of it to the Mediterranean Sea will create new life. You see the two sides of this, the Dead Sea, the Dead Sea right here. In, in the middle of the Holy Land and the Mediterranean out there, God's river of life is going out to all. And this last and most important day, as this scripture is being read, about one day running water will flow out from the holy city, Jerusalem, where the temple is, where God dwells among the people. On this last and most important day, Jesus stands up and he shouts, he shouts and he says, all who are thirsty should come to me. All who believe in me should drink. As the scripture said concerning me. Here's the problem here, friends. Jesus says, all who are thirsty should come to me. All who believe in me should drink. And he quotes the scripture, rivers of living water will flow out from within him. But the thing is, 
there's no scripture that talked about a person who living water flowed out from. No, the scriptures talk about flowing out of that place where earth and heaven meet, the temple in Jerusalem. The scripture we just read from Zechariah. Jesus isn't just reading scriptures. Jesus is interpreting scriptures to say this isn't talking about the temple. This is talking about me. That, that scripture reading that you've read every single year on this, this top holy day of the year, the big holiday. It was talking about me, not building. Jesus says, I am the temple. I am the place where earth and heaven meet. I am the source of living water, not this building, me. And the Pharisees cry out. You know, we don't hear it in the text. You can imagine them saying in their heart, that's blasphemy. That's blasphemy. Who is Jesus saying he is? To say that living water will flow from him. And the Pharisees assemble. And then the guards come in to report after this incident. This is the moment they're waiting for to have cause to arrest them. And the guards come together to report. In John 7, 45, they say, the, the guards return to the chief priests and the Pharisees. And they ask, guards, why didn't you bring them in? Why didn't you arrest them? Why didn't you do what we sent you there to do? And the guards answer, no one's ever spoken the way Jesus does how could we? What if he's telling the truth? And the Pharisees, they respond, have you too been deceived? Are you just like those foolish crowds who don't know what they're talking about? Have any of our leaders believed him? Has any Pharisee believed this Jesus? The Pharisees are gathered. They say, have any of our Pharisees believed him? And the answer they say is obvious. No, of course not. But they're Nicodemuses. Standing there is one of the Pharisees, the Pharisee who went to Jesus at midnight, the Pharisee who can't get Jesus out of his mind, the Pharisee who longs for this new birth from above that Jesus talked about, this Pharisee who believes that Jesus might really be the source of life, the Pharisee who just saw how his fellow Pharisees mocked the crowds and they mocked the guards for even considering the claims of Christ. Nicodemus, the Pharisee, who has far too much to lose if he goes public with his experience of Jesus. Nicodemus, the Pharisee, who can't receive the streams of living water with Jesus, who can't be born anew until he cuts away the sod that covers the soil of his heart. This Nicodemus who puts his security in his title and his position and his reputation. And this Nicodemus, this Pharisee, who decides that his title and reputation and his learning and his credentials might be sufficient. That he can just mildly support Jesus, just barely maybe give the slightest acknowledgement to his colleagues without facing their ridicule. So he says this to them. He says, our law doesn't judge someone without first hearing him and learning what he is doing, does it? Nicodemus may have wanted to say, isn't it okay to hear Jesus out? Isn't it okay to pay attention to Jesus? That's what I did, friends. I went at midnight. I came as a Pharisee. I questioned Jesus. But what I didn't expect, what I didn't think would happen when I went to Jesus, is that Jesus questioned me. 
Can you imagine Nicodemus thinking to himself, wanting to say, I came to question Jesus to expose the shallowness of Jesus's faith. Instead, he exposed the shallowness of mine. I want to be born anew now. I don't want to just go to worship services and rituals. I haven't found life in this faith that's dominated by rule following and condemnation of those who break them. I want more. I want new birth. I want streams of living water. And Jesus says they flow out of him. Shouldn't we at least find out? That's not what Nicodemus says. He says in the most politically correct way he could, our law requires us to make an investigation. Nicodemus played it safe. Nicodemus didn't show his cards. Nicodemus didn't give them an inch because he feared they might take a mile. He didn't tear off the sod that covered the soil of his heart. So Nicodemus could not plant something new. Not for himself, not for his colleagues who he cared about, who also need this new life that Jesus offered. And Nicodemus thought he wouldn't face any backlash for such a benign statement. But this is what he got. They answered him and they said, you are not from Galilee too, are you? Look it up and you will see that the prophet doesn't come from Galilee. Cultural prejudice, that's not just something from our times. That's something that goes throughout human history. And right there, you, you, you see it. Can you hear it? Can you hear them saying, you're defending this backwards Galilean? We thought you were one of us. Are you one of those rednecks out there? But then they gave Nicodemus a chance in a bit of a mocking, condescending sort of way. They say, look it up. Do your homework and then you'll be as smart as we are and you will disregard this man. But Nicodemus, he had looked it up. The prophets did come from Galilee. And Nicodemus had done his own investigations into Jesus. And his fellow Pharisees, they had no idea what Nicodemus would do next. We'll hear the rest of Nicodemus' story next week. And that's fine because the story here today isn't actually about Nicodemus. It's about me. It's about you. It's about us. It's about our desire to experience the promise of Jesus, streams of living water. God wants to plant a garden within us, roots that go down deep, beautiful flowers, rich produce, and deep roots. But something is in the way, friends. It's in the way for me. It's in the way for you. I don't know what that sod looks like for you. I have a sense of what it looks like for me. That layer of vegetation that may have served a purpose at one time. But now it's sitting in the way of planting something new. And you and I, we're fooling ourselves. If we think we can see God plant something new in us this year without scraping that sod away, it's not going to happen. To plant something new, we have to take something away. So what is that sod for you? What is standing in your way? Is it your busyness? Is it your pride? Is it your drive to perform and achieve? Or is it your obsession with your image? It's what other people think and say about you. Is it your insistence that life must be predictable and planable and within your control? 
Is it the way that you take responsibility for other people's emotions? Is that standing in your way? Could it even be that your commitment to someone else, someone that you genuinely care about, but your commitment to them in some way is actually standing in the way of the growth God wants to do in you? Could it be that you struggle to forgive someone that hurt you? Maybe they hurt you recently, or maybe it was decades ago. Could it be that that's standing in your way? Could it be your struggle to forgive yourself for that thing? That maybe that thing that you can't even admit yet that you had a part in, and yet you're still holding it against yourself. And you know, maybe it's your inability to let go of that argument that you had years ago. You know what your sod is. You know what stands in the way that may have served a purpose at one time, but now it's time to scrape it away so God can plant something new. You don't have to remove the sod yourself. Most of us don't have the equipment to slice off that layer like that. You have to get out your shovel. You have to do what only you can do. And you may have help from other people. I hope you do. If you don't, let's talk. Let's get you connected with some people who can walk on this journey with you. You might have some help with people, but you'll need to summon the courage to ask for that help. And we have the greater help too, because Jesus promises to give us the Holy Spirit's power. And at some point, you and I, we have to do what we've never done before to get results that we've never gotten before. What do you have to let go of? I'm going to ask, I'm going to challenge, I'm going to invite you to trust it to Jesus today. If you want to trust it to Jesus today, I ask that you say this prayer with me. The words are coming up here on the screen. Would you pray these, these, this prayer here? Jesus, you offer us streams of living water, water that can make the Dead Sea team with life. We know we are holding on to things that hold us back from receiving this life from you. We easily become self-focused and fail to love the people around us, especially those who feel far from you. We have blinded our eyes to people who face injustice we have even failed to love ourselves as your children. By your spirit, we ask that you forgive us, cut away that which hinders new life, and plant seeds of faith, love, and joy within us for the sake of your reign in this world. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you found today's podcast meaningful, we invite you to subscribe to all of the podcasts from Grace Atumla. Grace is a congregation of the United Methodist Church located in Otumwa, Iowa. For more information on this podcast or other information on the ministries of Grace Atumwa, you can find us on the web at www.graceotumwa, spelled O-T-T-U-M, wa.org. Thank you for listening.